Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Netrabar, and this is going to be episode 173, and this is going to be the readings for the first Sunday or the first week of Advent, the first Sunday of Advent. So, uh, if you like what I do, please subscribe and share. So, I'm going to read something from St. Charles Baromeo. All right. The quote from here is from Mark, Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 13, verse 35 to 37. Watch, watch. And this is a St. Charles Baromeo. Now is the acceptable time spoken of by the Spirit, the day of salvation, peace, and reconciliation, the great season of Advent. Each year, as the Church recalls this mystery, she urges us to renew the memory of the great love God has shown us. This holy season teaches us that Christ's coming was not only for the benefit of his contemporaries. His power has still to be communicated to us all. We shall share his power if through holy faith and the sacraments we willingly accept the grace Christ earned for us and live by this grace and in obedience to Christ. When we remove all obstacles to his presence, he will come at any hour and moment to dwell spiritually in our hearts, bringing with him the riches of his grace. St. Charles Baromeo. All right. All right. This is from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, um, the profession of faith. And this is uh, the mysteries of Jesus' infancy and hidden life. It's on uh, page 146, and it's art, the preparations, articles uh, 522 to 524. Okay. The coming of God's Son to earth is an event of such immensity that God will to prepare for it over centuries. He makes everything converge in Christ. All the rituals and sacrifices, figures and symbols of the first covenant. He announces him through the mouths of the prophets who succeeded one another in Israel. Moreover, he awakens in the hearts of the pagans a dim expectation of this coming. 523. St. John the Baptist is the Lord's immediate precursor or forerunner sent to prepare his way. Prophet of the Most High. John surpasses all the prophets of whom he is the last. He inaugurates the gospel already from his mother's womb welcomes the coming of Christ and rejoices in being the friend of the bridegroom, whom he points out as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Going before Jesus in the spirit and the power of Elijah, John the Baptist bears witness to Christ in his preaching, by his baptism of conversion, and through his martyrdom. 524 
When the church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation of the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for his second coming. By celebrating the precursor's birth and martyrdom, the church unites herself to his desire. He must increase, but I must decrease. Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, Mysteries of Jesus' Infancy, Hidden Life, uh, the Preparation, Article 522, St. John the Baptist, Article 523, and Article 524 on the Liturgy of Advent. Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray for me to the Lord our God and with me. May Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. All right, so I know we're not supposed to say the Gloria, but I'll say it for one last time since I love the Gloria very much. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people, goodwill. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, heavenly King, O God, almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us, for you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, first reading is from Jeremiah. Uh, the prophet, reading from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 33, 14 to 16. I will raise up for David a just shoot. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and Judah. In those days, in that time, I will raise up for David a just shoot. He shall do what is right and just in the land. In those days, Judah shall be safe and Jerusalem shall dwell secure. This is what they shall call her, the Lord our justice. One more time. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and Judah. In those days, in that time, I will raise up for David a just shoot. He shall do what is right and just in the land. In those days, Judah shall be safe and Jerusalem shall dwell secure. This is what they shall call her the Lord our justice. Okay, so Jeremiah is 
uh, he's often called the sorrowful prophet because he witnessed um, the nation of Israel pretty much, I mean, already is going to be taken captive. Um, Israel in the north uh, already got invaded um, by the Syrians and um, they um, they fell into apostasy. The the two the nation broke up into two, as we know already. Uh, after King Solomon, uh, the north became Israel, and the south Judah remained faithful to to the house of David, with several several of the tribes. But both sides, the north and the south, fell into apostasy, which is something we should pay pay close attention to. Prophecy, I was just told, uh, listening to a priest last night, is not always written in stone. It can be averted, meaning because God gives us a choice to repent. And repent, we can. We can change our ways if we, if we are sincere and we ask God to open our minds and our hearts. Nothing is written in stone. It's not like we don't have a free will. Um, we can resist temptation. We can resist evil. We can say no to evil. We can resist bad choices. We can avoid uh, destruction. Destruction in our personal lives and destruction in a, on a national level or family level. It can be avoided. Okay, it can be avoided. It happened to King Ahab during the days of Elijah when he sinned. He repented and God, you know, even though God foretold his destruction, but it was only for a short while, Ahab lapsed back into his sinful behavior, into his destructive behavior. And of course it led to his destruction. Um, anything's possible. God warns Solomon, as long as you remain true to me and faithful to me, I will continue to bless you. But he fell into um, hubris. He fell into arrogance. He fell into pride. And what happened was um, he married pagan wives. He allowed them to set up their own shrines. He, he fell into lust. And this poisoned... Um, it poisoned the well. His people began to drink of this bad behavior. They began to imitate it. Shrines were set up everywhere. His wives uh, pretty much brought in their their own priests, and suddenly they're they're practicing this all over Israel. So, we as a nation um, have to learn from this. We as a church have to learn from this. You bring in something bad. Bad things will happen. But God does promise deliverance. He does promise. And here, he tells Jeremiah, I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and Judah. In those days, <clears throat> excuse me, in that time, I will raise up for David a just shoot. He shall do what is right and just in the land. In those days, Judah shall be safe and Jerusalem shall dwell secure. This is what 
they shall call her the Lord our justice. Obviously, it you know we know this also a, a shoot shall sprout from Jesse. This is promised in in another passage, which unfortunately I cannot recall. But um, but this is the passage that was promised to the land to the people of Israel, and that shoot wonderful, which I think the word Nazareth comes from, um, Nazarite or shoot is Jesus, obviously. He shall um, sprout. Um, and this is hope. It's the beginning of a new tree, the tree of life, which is the cross salvation and Jerusalem shall dwell secure which is the church not just the physical church but the the spiritual church the the body of Christians who will remain faithful to the gospel remain faithful to God because we know that not every branches in the church is bearing fruit I don't know if you heard just recently about a Catholic University that had an, uh, a commissioned an icon painting depicting the uh, gentleman known as George Floyd, who died in Minnesota, who was a criminal, a drug addict, a career criminal, who unfortunately um, died uh, by a, a you know a a. Um, Let's say a, a, you know, a, a, a police officer who put his knee on his on his neck, who shouldn't have done what he did. It was a very bad practice, and what he and now they depicted him in an icon, in an Orthodox icon style, painted in egg tempera. As Jesus, being in 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 being held by uh, the mother of Jesus, in a piatta. Uh, a sorrowful uh, image. She's holding him in her arms. And the painting was stolen. The icon was stolen by uh, a student body protested this. They protested. This was supposed to be a Catholic university. And the, the, uh, the committee, the, uh, the board is very, very liberal. Um, I was listening to Dr. Steve Turley last night and he talked about, he called this egophobia, the fear of self, the hatred of self. And they have a copy, a print of the original. The original is gone. <laughs> Whatever happened to it. It was, it is a blasphemous thing. It's a mockery. Lately, if you notice, everybody knows this was happening within our Catholic hierarchy, our Catholic leadership, they've embraced the spirit of the world. They, you know, it's, you know, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter in every age. All right. It is paganism. It is the spirit of paganism. It doesn't matter uh, if the setting is different, what the intentions are. The intentions is to, to hijack the church and it's 
you know, its 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 uh, character, and to, to subdue it. They've basically, like Taylor Marshall said, infiltrated it, and want to subdue the church, submit the church to the spirit of the world. That's what happened with ancient Israel. It got hijacked by its uh, weak of faith hierarchy, the the elite, the royalty, the aristocrats, the rulers, even the priesthood, and decided to run and embrace the world. That's what happened with King Solomon. Even though he was given uh, uh, in great intelligence, he was blessed with uh, great intelligence he did even in smart men can lack wisdom can lack wisdom and it's a fact you can see that it doesn't matter if you're a cardinal or a bishop or a priest or a pope or any theologian or even uh, a so you know a smart intelligent uh, lay Catholic, but if you embrace the spirit of the world, you've drank and you, you've drank the, the the you've drank the uh, the poisoned well, and we call it today you drank the Kool Aid. But that's basically a fact. But it's it's not written in stone. Just because we. You know, m many of our, our uh, brothers and sisters within the church and our leadership, the shepherds, have gone astray. It's not written in stone. God promised deliverance. He promised it. And um, the scriptures promise that, of course, if we remain faithful, if those of us... I mean, the fact that young people stole that icon... That, that blasphemous icon tells you that there's a big rift, a big, a big disconnect. And it looks bad. It looks bad right now. I mean, what's happening, the, the, uh, the bishops not, um, not taking action to defend our Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, it looks bad. It looks bad in the sense that they, they decided to run with, uh, with the spirit of the world. It's sad, but it's, it's not the end. It's a chastisement we're going through. It's a chastisement. It's permitted, but it's not written in stone. The best thing to do is to start praying the rosary. And don't just pray the rosary, study the rosary. Study the passages of scripture. Study the passages of scripture, read books on the rosary and read the scriptural passages related to it. You know, um, there's a book. A little booklet. It's a beautiful little booklet. It's from St. Joseph Editions. It's uh, Pray the Rosary with Scriptural Readings. It has Mary on the cover. It's a, a beautiful, beautiful uh, turquoise blue. There's a medallion showing the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And it has, um, it's, it's very, I love it. 
uh, the inside the uh, the inside cover has a, a, a something from John Paul II. The Rosary of the Virgin Mary is a prayer loved by countless saints and encouraged by the magisterium. Simple yet profound, it still remains at the dawn of this third millennium a prayer of great significance, destined to bring forth a harvest of holiness. Though clearly Marian in character, the Rosary is at heart a Christocentric prayer. Christ-centric prayer. In the sobriety of its elements, it has all the depths of the gospel message in its entirely entirety, of which can be said to be a compodium. With the, with the rosary, the Christian people sits at the school of Mary and is led to contemplate the beauty of the face of Christ and to experience the death of his love. Through the rosary, the faithful receive abundant grace as though from the very hands of the mother of the Redeemer. It's a beautiful, and inside of it, it has uh, a two bis, um, methods you can do. It has a longer scriptural method where for each bead, there's a passage for you to meditate on. You can say it before or after the Hail Mary. I prefer to say it before. And it has 10... Uh, 10 like verses it breaks them up into 10 verses and then there's a shorter version a much more uh, alternative shorter version but basically what it's meant to do is teach you how to pray the rosary and that's important and that's this this is the shoot the the the, the sprout that comes out of uh of, of david this is it this is the beauty of it this is basically the 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 gospel this is basically jesus and how and, and this teaches us how to meditate on him so you know i think we should uh take advantage of it because i know we don't have a lot of time a lot of people we got work and everything but one interesting thing is i don't know if you know this but when you pray all four mysteries you don't have to say the apostles creed all over again that's um, the f the five the, the the one rosary the five just the five decades of of, a, of the mystery. Let's say the joyful mystery, you know, or just just for that one set of rosary, is known as the child form, because it's for you know, to train. But regardless, what if you have time? Even if you pray one decade from a mystery and i was listening to this um this guy gabby uh, gabriel he's a he preaches the rosary he's he has an apostolate and he said that even just one one decade even if it's not totally uh focused is better to do something you know badly I mean, lack of a better word, maybe just passively you could say it, than not do it at all. The point is, is that you got to train yourself to put the time. People say they often don't have time. And it's true. 
there's a lot of things you got to do throughout the whole day and it's difficult and it's very frustrating. But even if it's like 10, 15 minutes to yourself, just stop for a moment and spend that time with Jesus. Find a quiet spot and do it is better than not doing it. Really. All right, let's move on to the psalm. All right, so the next here we have uh, Psalm 25 and the responsorial psalm. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your path. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and for you I wait all the day. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Good and upright is the Lord, thus he owes, he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and consistency toward those who keep his covenant and his decree. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him and his covenant for their instruction. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Okay, one more time. Your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior. And for you, I wait all the day. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and consistency toward those who keep his covenant and his decrees. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him and his covenant for their instruction. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. So, Psalm 25. It's basically pointing us to, to walking that path. And your ways, O Lord, make known to me. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior. And for you, I wait all day. All the day. It's, a, it's basically, think about it. Who, to teach me your ways, we're looking towards Christ. Christ is the answer to teach us our way, to teach us his ways. And the path we think comes to our mind is, Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, I am the gate. No one can pass. No one can come, you know, could climb over the gate. You have to, you have to, over the fence, you have to walk through the gate. And he is the door. Behold, I stand at the door. Guide me in your truth and teach me. I am the way and the truth. And he's the one who said in the Gospels, anyone who listens to my words, to my teaching, is like a, 
a smart man who builds his foundation on a rock. And the one who doesn't listen to him is like a man who, who builds his house on sand. And when the storm comes, it falls apart. But the one who builds on the rock never falls. Meaning, no matter what troubles we go through, no matter what conflicts, no matter what trials we are given, even if it's family trials, you know, which is, I know, difficult or, or um, crisis of health yourself or your family member it's something we have to go through and it's the suffering as meritorious as it feels is overwhelming and then it goes on and for you I will wait all day wait all day we have to pray we have to pray for that grace that we can endure all day long we can endure it To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. You lift up your soul in prayer. You offer it up. No matter how hopeless it may feel. Think about how, how horrible it was for our Lord when he went in the Garden of Gethsemane. From the Garden of Gethsemane to the trial. From the trial to being to being beaten and butchered by Pilate's soldiers, carrying his cross through the streets, falling down on a dirty, filthy, vile streets where there's animal feces with his open wounds being mingled with those horrible animal feces and the crowds just spitting and beating him and knocking him down. Think about how helpless his mother felt. And the Apostle John and Mary Magdalene, those who loved him, saw what he was going through. And think how sometimes, you know, yes, ours is nowhere compared to, to what they go through, what they went through. But think about how sometimes we feel overwhelmed psychologically and emotionally and spiritually, surrounded by negativity, surrounded by people who don't share our our values and our views. Think we, we, you know, think about the fact that a lot of times, no matter how hard we work, it feels like it's no bearing no fruit. You feel like you just want to give up. And if you give up, it's even worse. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing. And then goes on to the next one. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. And yeah, I mean, when we fall into mortal sin, and there are going to be times we will fall into mortal sin, I want you to think about this when I say that people who don't share our values. How does it make you feel when you hear someone use the Lord's name in vain? How does it make you feel when you see when you hear someone add a curse word between Jesus and Christ? 
blaspheme the name of the Lord. It doesn't feel good. I know it makes me cringe. You hear a relative, a family member, or a friend, a co-worker, someone on the street, or even in the movie, which they love to do a lot also, F-bomb the name of the Lord without a thought, without without even shame, with no shame, no shame at all. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? That's when you know you, you love him. That's when you know the grace is very strong in you because the name of Jesus you revere. You revere it. You love it. It's precious to you. That's how you know you're close to him. Correcting them, unfortunately, is not something that you're going to get a good result of. They don't like to be corrected. They don't like to be told they're wrong because they don't love him. They don't love him. They don't love him. They don't revere him. They don't revere his holy name. They don't revere him and they have no relationship with him. They're distant. They're far away. To you, O Lord, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Good and upright is the Lord. Thus he shows sinners the way. He guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. We love him. And we know that when we commit mortal sin, and when tempted to commit mortal sin in our hearts, we look to him and he guides us. He, he shows us the way. And, he, and it says here, like, he guides the humble to justice and teaches the humble his way. So we, we, look, we look to him and we lift our souls up to him. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. All right, the last verse. All the paths of the Lord are, hum, are all the paths of the Lord are kindness and consistency toward those who keep His covenant and His decrees. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear Him and His covenant for their instruction. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and consistency towards those who keep His covenant and decrees. What, how do we keep his covenant? We are members of the mystical body of Christ. We are members of the mystical body of our Lord. We stay close to him through the sacraments. We receive his body and blood. That is the covenant and decree. We keep his gospel. And how do we, how do we do it? How do we do it every day? Prayer. Prayer, reading the gospel and praying the rosary. Sounds simple. Yes, but 
We pray for sinners. We pray for the conversion of others. And we pray the rosary every day as much as we can. Even if you can't go through all five decades at once. You try to make time for it. You make time for it. You you try to do it. You You put time in for it. And if you don't finish the whole thing, don't worry. You could maybe finish it another time. You pray for the conversion of sinners. You pray for the conversion of your friends and family. And you pray for the holy souls in purgatory. And you pray for Christians who are being persecuted. You pray for your neighbor, like I try to do. <clears throat> you pray for your family. You pray for the souls in purgatory. You pray for the conversion of souls. You pray for the Pope. You say a Hail Mary. You say a rosary a decade. You, 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 you remain close to him. And by receiving the Holy Communion, you make time. Read the gospel passage, the scripture passage before you get to Mass. You know, you, it's, you know I know it's not always easy and some people are not, don't always have a very studious nature. But when you love someone, you want to get to know them more. And you ask, you ask, you ask God, you ask the Blessed Mother to draw you closer to her son. The covenant, you know, you know, friendship. I love this part here. Let me read it one more time. All the paths of the Lord are kindness and consistency towards those who keep his covenant and decrees. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him. The friendship of the Lord is with those who fear him and his covenant for their instruction. Now, what it means by fear is not fear like a, 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 a horrible father who comes home. It's fear of departing from his path, fear of sinning against him, fear of losing this friendship, losing this love. That's what it means by it. Fear of living life without God. Fear of being, fear even of being told by others, why do you have to go to church this Sunday? Why can't you do this with me? You know what I mean? That you get people who, who tell you, why can't you lighten up a little? We have to live life a little bit. No. Sometimes if you have to lose the friendship of others to keep, to keep close with God, then do it. You know, I've often said to people, I know a lot of times some of us don't get much from our local parish, but I've always said it in every podcast. My church is digital now. It's YouTube. It's Audible books. It's listening to the Bible on Audible. It's uh, podcasts. It's e-books, Kindle books. That's my instruction. That's my... That's my... <laughs> That's my, that's my church. It's no longer just a, uh, I don't get much from a local parish level. The priests don't preach well. They don't teach at all. All right. So let's move on to the second reading. 
All right, and now the second reading is uh, from St. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, the second, his first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 3, verse 12, and going from there to verse 2. May the Lord strengthen your hearts at the coming of our Lord. A reading from, uh, from the first letter to St. Paul to the Thessalonians. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we have for you, so as to strengthen your hearts to, to be blameless in holiness before our God. And Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his holy ones. Amen. Finally, we earnestly ask and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you should conduct yourselves to please God, and as you are conducting yourselves, you do so even more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. One more time. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we have for you, so as to strengthen your hearts to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his holy ones. Finally, we earnestly ask and exhort you, in the Lord Jesus, as you receive from us how you should conduct yourselves to please God, and as you are conducting yourselves, you do so even more, for you know what instructions we give you through the Lord Jesus. Word of the Lord, thanks be to God. All right, so this particular second reading, obviously, as you can tell, has two parts. The first part here, uh, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we have for you, so as to strengthen your hearts to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his holy ones. Amen. And this second part is, uh, the first part was chapter 3, verse 12 of 1 Thessalonians. The second part is from chapter 4, verse 2. Uh, finally, we earnestly ask and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you should conduct yourselves to please God, and as you are conducting yourselves, you do so even more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> now, how do, how do we understand this? Well, try to understand that in the time of Jesus and the apostles, they often, people put their faith and much of their relationship in the sacrifices, the rituals in the temple. Not that they were bad in themselves, it's just that the people did not care sometimes they developed an attitude that was much more superficial and shallow. They focused on animal sacrifices. They, they focused on external actions and less on spiritual substance. 
you know, they didn't really show love of neighbor. They didn't show, um, you know, well, I'm, you know, I, I keep the law. I try to be a good person. I try to be a good Jew. But even if, you know, that in a sense had very little substance for the fellow, for their fellow man, our faith, our Catholic faith, our Christian Catholic faith is we have, we have the truth through the fact that the word became through the power of the Holy Spirit was made incarnate of the Holy Spirit became flesh. The word incarnate means become flesh and born of the Virgin Mary. God became human, became a man, became an individual. And he dwelt, walked among us. So our faith is our God is human. He, our, the image of humanity was always his. We, we, that's why the, the scripture says we were made in his image. In the image of God, he made them male and female. He made them. God made man in his image. God made humanity in his image. In the image of God, he made them male and female. He made them. And that that was always his rightfully his. But what happened was, is that they, the people put, they began to develop a very superficial, they depended on the exterior actions and there was no substance. There was no change of heart. There was no deep sense of sin. The rituals became more important and they focus on God through the rituals and through the interpretation of the law. Rather, what Jesus says, or Paul says, the heart of the law. Jesus often says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Or, you know, that's basically what Jesus kept on talking. And Paul often called it the heart of the law, which is a conscience which is basically focused on your actions. Focus on your spiritual, not just your actions, I'm sorry, the wrong term, on the interior of your soul, the, the interior actions of your soul. Instead, what they did was they kept God on an exterior level distance. So the relationship with God was a very long distance relationship. Um... And therefore, Jesus showed them, okay, he pointed out when he asked, what is the heart of the law? Yea, O Israel, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and with all your will. And Jesus says, this one is no more and no less important. No less important. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that, that in itself, because why? Because your neighbor is made in the image and likeness of God as you are. Now, it's very hard. It's very hard because obviously when you don't like the person, loving the person is one thing. Liking the person is a totally different matter, right? 
it's a very totally different matter. It's a very much more um, difficult to perform, right? Much more difficult to perform and much more difficult to have a relationship with because especially when your neighbor is not appreciative and disrespectful, but you have to make sure that they don't, they don't bring you to that level. Paul here is pointing out that it, the instruction is everything that, that they taught them about the words and gospels of Jesus and what Jesus requires his followers. And this is, this is important to remember. You know, all, you know, the first part here. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, just as we have for you, so as to strengthen your hearts to be blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his holy ones. And then you have this one here. Uh, finally, we earnestly ask and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you, that, that as you receive from us how you should conduct yourselves to please God, and as you are conducting yourselves, you do so even more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So, like I said, the best way to do it is pray for your fellow your fellow catholic your fellow man even if they're not catholic pray for them you know i think the best thing to do is think about it why would god call us to be practicing christians roman catholic christians if it isn't to pray for those other people to pray for them and the best thing to do is if you see someone that maybe if you can do a small kind deed for them. If you know someone is, you can always do it anonymously, anonymously. like, uh, like I said, the best thing to do is just pray for those people, pray for them. If you can do a good deed that that can be helpful even anonymously, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it, you know, as best as you can. Um, you know, sacrifice uh, uh, fasting for the conversion of souls. Uh, not just for the those in purgatory, but also uh, for those people's conversion. A small deed, a kind deed that won't that doesn't look like you're showing off. That doesn't look like you're you're trying to bring brownie points or show off that you're a better person. And if it means sacrificing time, sacrificing a lunch break, covering up for that person, driving that a person over, um, you know. Maybe even offering to buy that person lunch, maybe. You know, if you know if you know that if you know that person is appreciative or someone you can you you've been talking to, becoming friends with, 
you know, there's an old fellow I've been trying, you know, I, I wish I could help him. Uh, you know, he's in my parish, but I think he has people to help him. But, you know, it's, it's, it's there's other ways, there's tons of ways we can do this. You know, if you can, if you know someone is going through a bad time or, and you feel that you can help that person and help them. But if it can be done anonymously, anonymously is the best thing to do. Like Jesus says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And you know that it could help. It could help a great deal. I think it's wonderful. I think it's wonderful if you can do that. It's difficult, I know. But pray about it. Before you can do anything, just pray about it. Pray about it, and if you feel, if you believe you've gotten your answer, then do it. It doesn't matter how long it takes, pray about it. All right, let's move on to the, the final reading, the gospel. Okay. Alleluia, alleluia. Show us, Lord, your love and grant us your salvation. Alleluia, alleluia. So that's from Psalm 85, verse 8. Alleluia, alleluia. Show us, Lord, your love and grant us your salvation. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke. Your redemption is at hand. It's uh, St. Luke chapter 21, verse 20, uh, from chapter 21 to 25 to 28, 34 to 36. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, There will be signs in the sun, the moon and the stars, and on earth nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory. But when these signs begin to happen and stand erect and raise your and raise your heads because your redemption is at hand. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. That day and that day catch you by surprise like a trap. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulation that are eminent and to stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. Jesus said to his disciples, There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and on earth nations will be in dismay. Perplexed by the roaring of the sea and the waves, people will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world. For the power of the heavens will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. But when these signs begin to happen, stand erect and raise your heads, because your redemption is at hand. 
Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from the carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life, and that, and that day catch you by surprise like a trap. For that day, for that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray. Pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of Man. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so this here, this here is obviously apocalyptic. And Advent, though, is a preparation for Christmas, is also really the real Advent. The meaning of it is the preparation for the second coming for the final judgment. That's what it really is all about. Um, and it's interesting. I, I listened to a uh, an audible book on uh, St. Francis of Assisi. And Francis of Assisi, um, in his days, there was a lot of terror, terror over the second coming that because there were so many things happening, there were wars, there were, uh, plagues, there were a lot of injustices, uh, there was a lot, I believe it, just like we have today, a lot of his uncertainty, there was also um, fear of the second coming. And Francis is the one who actually came up with the nativity scene. He had his friend, Giovanni John, Gave him instructions on uh, what to get. They already had the donkey. They had the cow. They had the lamb. And uh, they needed, uh, I guess you can say, some hay and uh, uh, a, ma a, ma a manger or a throff where animals eat from because that's basically what the manger is. And um, they, they, he wanted what he wanted to show for Advent. He wanted to show the common people that it that the that the Jesus is coming is the same Jesus that came in the first time as a as a child. He wanted he wanted them to understand that it's the same Jesus. And Francis also did a, a little thing where he on the the local Assisi dialect where, you know, obviously, you know, they, they spoke their own Italian dialect. Bambino Bethlehem, like he would play with the word Bethlehem at a, a little lamb's, uh, uh, built, uh, bleach, uh, ble <laughs> cry, you know, sort of sound, a little lamb's cry, bleeding. A bleating, they call it. I don't know. It's it's basically he wanted to show so the kids could laugh. He wanted them for the children. He wanted them to focus on Jesus, the infant, the 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 helpless baby, the little lamb of Bethlehem. And he played with the name, the the lamb sat the sound of the lamb with Bethlehem, with Bethlehem, and he wanted them to see, and he wanted the adults to see. That the same Jesus is coming back is the same Jesus that came the first time. Now that's true. 
But the church wants us to focus on the second coming, to prepare ourselves, to be aware of our sins and be conscious of our behavior. Let's go back and read it a little bit again. There will be signs in the sun and signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And on earth, nations will be in dismay, perplexed by the roaring of the sea and waves. The roaring of the sea and the waves, he's not talking about, don't, don't let it, don't let your mind go into this whole environmental stuff about the, the climate change. That's not what he, that's not what the text means. The roaring of the sea and waves is referring to the, the trouble among the nations. The sea represents the nations, the trouble, uh, you know, obviously international, national, local, uh, political uh, upheaval and changes. That's what it means here, the roaring, the, st the roaring of the sea and waves. It means, you know, basically whenever in, a, in, a, in the Jewish um, uh, apocalyptic language and uh, metaphors, the sea represents the nations. Uh, and he means here war, turmulent, uh, trouble, political unrest, and, 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 you know, international unrest. People will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. People will be, people will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world. For the powers of heaven will be shaken. Now here, the powers of the heavens could represent not just, uh, what you say, cosmic upheaval, but it also means the powers of the heavens. It means those in the church authority. Those within the church. The church is, is under attack. The church is not at peace. Okay. And that basically could mean apostasy. Because we're seeing that now. Now, yes... There's also the meaning that they will actually, we will see cosmic events taking place. I'm not saying that there won't be. There will most definitely be. Because if you look at the book of Revelation, it talks about the stars falling from the heavens. Uh, the dragon sweeping the third of the stars of heaven. It can refer to the, the angels falling. But in the beginning of Revelation, it talks about Jesus walking among the, can the, 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 the candle operas the the the, uh, the menorahs and the he had stars in his hand which represent the seven churches it's the, the the heads of the seven churches the bishops and that's what it means basically trouble in the heavens because of apostasy here what's happening within the church um people okay people will die fright Anticipation was coming upon the world, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and there, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with 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 power and glory. The Son of Man is referring to Jesus Himself. The term Son of Man means 
means he who is divine with a human nature. It refers to God as a man, the second person of the Trinity, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Coming on the clouds of heaven is the end of times. Remember, there's more than one meaning to Scripture. It doesn't necessarily mean one, one form of interpretation, but there's definitely, this here is definitely the second coming. This is definitely here. Um, and then they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and glory. But when these signs begin to happen, stand erect and raise your heads because your redemption is at hand. Beware. This is the part is, I think it's very important. Beware what your hearts, beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. Okay, that's a warning. There's a two-part warning there. One is those particular baptized Christians, especially in church authority, who have lost the faith and began to focus on, look at the church from a very earthly view, earthly view of power, of uh, of wealth and comfort and no longer have the faith in their hearts. And also those particular Catholics who have embraced the philosophy of the world, lay Catholics like politicians, who look at the faith from a very earthly philosophy, like just like the church authorities do, who decided to run with Caesar, to run with the princes of the world, and basically adopt the, the, the immorality of the world, such as abortion, same-sex marriage, contraception, you know, and don't, you know, they don't love the Lord. This is something, what he means by drowsy. And also some of us, the anxieties of daily life, we could also develop despair. Despair is a horrible thing. God is, God is not real. The faith is not real. You know, lose, lose hope, lose, lose faith and begin to think this is all there is. This is all there is. There's nothing more. This is all there is. There's no, there's no heaven. There's no hell. This is all that this life is. And that's dangerous. That's dangerous. My friends, it's very dangerous because you lose hope, you lose faith, and then you start committing sins, mortal sins. And then suddenly what happens? He appears. And then you, like he says, and you know, the, and, and that day catch you by surprise, like a trap. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and anxieties of daily life. And that day catch you by surprise, like a trap for that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are eminent and stand before the son of man. 
It's a warning. It's a warning to everybody. It's a warning to me. It's a warning to you. It's a warning to the Pope. It's a warning to the bishops. It's a warning to the priests. It's a warning to our fellow Catholics who, who live in public life out in the open. It's a warning to all of us. Okay. And it could be a warning. It's a warning at any time of our lives because tomorrow is not guaranteed. You could, you know, we could die tonight and we have to stand before our, our, pers our own personal judgment for the general judgment. And you don't want to be caught off, caught off guard. That this is a warning. It's very simple. This is why the church puts this in front of us. This is why the church puts this in front of us. And it's a warning to these, to these bishops, especially these, these clergy, these men in charge, who may not be living the Christian life holding that office. You know? Who may not be you know, living the, the, the gospel life. You know, it's not guaranteed just because just because they're in there doesn't mean they're going to be saved. Remember, Judas was one of them. And look what happened to him. You know, and you know, it's, it's something to take seriously. It's, it's a good time to meditate on these passages. So don't let yourself don't let yourself um, go into despair. Yeah, it looks hopeless. It looked hopeless in the days of, of St. Francis of Assisi. It looked hopeless during the days of uh, Athanasius and St. Jerome when the Arian, when the Arian uh, heresy took over. You know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of the people in power, even Christians who were uh, Romans and Greeks who wanted Christianity to look more liberal, more philosophically human. And Arius reduced Jesus to a mere man. It looked hopeless when the Muslims took over, when the power of Islam rose up and took almost the entire uh, Middle Eastern Roman Empire and took Jerusalem and all the Holy Land and everything. It looked always hopeless with the Borgias and the, uh, the, Medi the Medicis, and it looked hopeless with Napoleon. It looked hopeless all the time, and especially during World, World, World War II, where some of the German bishops, Austrian bishops, ran with Hitler and the Nazis. It looked hopeless when the uh, World War I came. It looked hopeless with the, the, the Soviet Revolution rising up and taking over Russia and the Soviet uh, that took over the Orthodox Church, destroying Christians and killing them. These things always look hopeless. The Crusades looked hopeless. But guess what? The church is still here. And it looks hopeless now. But it's still here. We're, we're still here. Christ is still king. All right. So... Uh, this is something um, I think the best thing to do is focus on these Advent readings. Focus on them. I think it's a good time to do that. Okay. And um, I think it's a good time to meditate on all these things. Let's meditate on them and let's really, really focus on what, you know, what these things mean and 
get closer to Christ and you know pray that rosary and f keep focusing on those meditations all right let's uh, let's focus on the creed I believe in one God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth of all things visible and invisible I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ the only begotten Son of God born of the Father before all ages God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven. And it's seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and His kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic Church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Okay. And now, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wild, wicked attack of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And we'll say a prayer, um, a Hail Mary for the Pope. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. And we'll say a prayer for the old persecuted Christians around the world, our brothers and sisters, Catholic, Orthodox, or Protestant. All of them who are being persecuted, we pray for their um, perseverance of faith. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. And we'll say a Hail Mary for the poor souls in purgatory, the suffering souls in purgatory. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless.